0: Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio, fourth day of January, 2023. You know, I was thinking yesterday um, how great it is. I don't know. How many of you still write checks? I was thinking yesterday. You know, I the thing that used to happen every year. You know, with a new the change of year, we used to have to worry about. Uh, oh my God, am I going to write the correct year on my checks? I don't. I can't remember the last time I actually wrote a check. Everything is done electronically now. Even even if there's a situation where I have to uh, uh, where I have to write a check. I have my bank do it. I do everything online now. I can't, so I can't remember the last time I had to write a check. So I guess that's one thing with the start of the new year. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, but anyway, good morning. Uh, it is a uh, a monsoon down here in the mountains of western North Carolina. Uh, actually, all down here through uh, North Carolina and Georgia and Alabama. We have been uh, had some wicked thunderstorms and some wind and hail and heavy rain. We had two and a half inches of rain overnight last night here. Um, so the weather's crazy, but the, we lost power in the middle of the night, so I was a little bit worried we weren't going to be able to get on this morning. But uh, uh, power company had us back on a couple of hours later, so that was a good thing. I heard a transformer blew up; you know, I could hear it from uh, inside my house. Uh, but they had us back a couple of hours later, so here we are, you lucky people. You, um, I spent a good amount of time yesterday, and uh, you know, this goes under the category. of Really, I got to get a life. Uh, I spent a lot of time yesterday watching the coverage uh, of the House of Representatives and watching the drama yesterday as they tried to pick a new Speaker of the House, of course, with the Republicans taking control of the House. What a mess the Republican Party has become. Um, They can't, I mean, they can't even pick a Speaker. Three ballots yesterday, and Kevin McCarthy. Uh, the, the California representative uh, who you know pretty much thought that this was a done deal couldn't get it done three ballots couldn't get it first time folks in a hundred years that a house speaker could not be selected on the first vote a hundred years it's nuts I mean I don't think you know I mean I, I wouldn't think we're going to go all the way back if, back in 1855. It took them 2 months to pick a speaker of the house 133 ballots. Um and there are a block of about 20 Republicans that said they will not vote for Kevin McCarthy under any circumstances. And the ones that won't vote for him are the far right wing nut jobs. And so and so here's what here's what concerns me. I think Kevin McCarthy is a weasel an absolute weasel, a guy uh, you know who went to to Donald Trump with hat in his hand, uh, you know, a year ago or six months ago, and you know to get his support so that he could become Speaker of the House, and has flip flopped his views on things about the, you know, the. Uh, uh, whether the election was uh, legitimate and whether about the, the January 6th, I mean, it's just this guy is all over the place. He is the consummate politician who will say and do anything he has to to get the power that he wants. And make no mistake, folks, this is all about power. And it doesn't mean I'm not talking about just Kevin McCarthy. It was Nancy Pelosi or, you know, anybody who's been the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, uh, you know, uh, Newt Gingrich. Tip O'Neill back when I was a young man, uh, you know, it's it's all about power. I mean, and, you know, the Speaker of the House is third in line to the presidency. It goes president, vice president, Speaker of the House. So this is all about power. And he's a weasel. And yet we and the but, but the problem that I have is the people that are stopping it from getting in are the people I hate the most, the far right wingers and the nut jobs. That, that absolutely are, you know, the kind of, with the, uh, the tinfoil uh, hats on their heads. And it speaks to where the Republican Party is. It speaks to why I am no longer a Republican. I was I registered as a Republican, and I've said this on the air before, when I was first eligible to vote back in 1978. I registered as a Republican. A lot of it was... To uh, to be able to vote in the primary. But it's also because I am uh, I consider myself a conservative. I am a middle of the road conservative. I have a lot of uh, liberal views on things, you know, like on abortion. You know, I believe on a woman's right to choose, which is something that most Republicans do not believe in. You know, so I but I am fiscally conservative. I am socially conservative. You know, I am not. Anti-gay or anything like that, so you know I, I don't fit in with the the evangelical Christians that have taken control of this party and the and, and the, you know people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who is really out there that thinks that you know COVID was uh, part of a caused by an Israeli space laser or some crap like that. Um, so uh, you know, so I, I just you know when Donald Trump became president, that was the end of me in the Republican Party, done absolutely done and to see how his disciples have have hijacked the republican party is sad disgraceful and and i live in i live in trump country and you know and if there are people in in my town listening to this right now they're probably clicking off their computers or they're going to be coming to my house and you know shooting it up (laughs) just kidding please don't do that um but but Watching that drama yesterday, and I realized, you know, it's like I don't want either side to win. I don't want Kevin McCarthy to win, but I also don't want those 20 people that are holdouts to think they have some kind of uh, inordinate hold on this party, although they do. And this is their five minutes of fame. Um, Look, you know, and maybe the only way forward here, and there was a lot of talk about this yesterday that the Democrats are going to have to try to find a Republican that they can stomach and vote for that particular Republican and get some of these other uh, Republicans to get in line, you know, if they can get some of those, uh, that, that block of 20 that's not voting for Kevin McCarthy to come through, they could get a, a, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to call it a coalition government like we, you know, we hear in a lot of other countries where, you know, one party doesn't have a complete majority. The Republicans do, but the only way forward might be to find some kind of a compromise, and I don't know what that looks like. But it was so bad, folks, that you know when they when they vote for Speaker of the House, it's not just the Republicans that vote because they have control or they have the majority, the Democrats vote as well. And the Democrats obviously are always going to vote for their particular, uh, you know, if they were in control, who would be their new Speaker of the House. Well, it was so bad yesterday that after the ballots were tallied, the Democratic candidate, For Speaker of the House had more votes than Kevin McCarthy. Think about that. McCarthy never won more than two hundred and three votes in the three rounds. Right, never had more than two hundred and three. Except that Jeffries, who was nominated by the uh, by the Democrats, had the most votes overall, two hundred and twelve. Now, he needs 218 to become Speaker of the House, so he's six short. It, it, it would be funnier than hell if six of those Republicans decided they weren't going to vote for McCarthy, and we'll, we'll just give it to the Democrats because we can't stand McCarthy. That's not going to happen, but it's funny. So there is an opportunity here if, if they can get some of those 20 and, and, the, and the Democrats can find a Republican that, that they can get behind, somebody that is less uh, heinous. Maybe they can make this happen. But, man, it was funny to watch. I enjoyed the hell out of that. But what a mess. And, and and Donald Trump, who supported Kevin McCarthy, now won't even come out and say that he still supports him. Now McCarthy's saying that he does. But Donald Trump was interviewed by NBC yesterday. And his response was, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Didn't come out and say, we, we need to get this done. He said we'll see what happens. Awesome. Donald Trump is not becoming president again by the way. I mean and I think that's part of what we're seeing here. I think that we're seeing that the hold that Donald Trump have, has over the Republican Party is diminishing. We saw that in the midterm elections the reason why the the um, the, the red wave did not happen, why there were, you know, the, the Republicans still took control of the House but that the their control is a very slim one. You know, it was it was almost historically bad. So you know, I think we're seeing that that Trump Trump's days may be over. We can only hope. But what a mess! What 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 a circus! So they will uh, start with a fourth ballot today, and they'll probably do it a few more times, and we'll see what happens. McCarthy is uh, McCarthy's already moved into the speaker's office, which I think is funnier than hell, too. So we'll see, we'll see. But but great entertainment yesterday. wasn't sports, but I enjoyed it. Um, going along with, you know, I talked about, you know, how awful social media is and, and all the things that, that, uh, you know, we've seen over the years that uh, somebody can make a mistake 20 years ago and it never goes away and yada, yada, yada. Well, and look, I, I'm going to bring this story up, but I'm not here to apologize for the person involved. Okay. The U.S. Soccer Federation is now investigating the national team coach, uh, Greg Berhalter, um, for something that happened 31 years ago, 32 years ago now. 32 years ago. Back in uh, 1991, uh, Greg Berhalter had started dating a woman that, eventually became his wife and is still his wife, by the way. And something happened and they were having some kind of an argument and he kicked her in the leg. All right. And, uh, and, and during the world cup, somebody contacted us soccer saying that they had information that was going to quote unquote, take him down. Uh, trying to basically submarine Burhalter's relationship with US soccer because there's a lot of people that don't think that he's managed the team well enough and uh, you know and I don't know what they expect I mean uh, look they they got farther in the World Cup this year you know than they have recently we just don't have the players that the rest of the world has, whether people here in the United States want to admit that or not. But there have been a lot of people that have been very critical of him. And now they're going after him for something that happened in 1991. Now, there's no excuse for kicking a woman, you know, none. Um, and and look, he admitted to it. He said, look, he said, we had been dating four months. And he said uh, something happened that would shape the future of our relationship. He said they were out drinking at a local bar. They had a heated argument that went that continued outside. He said it became physical, and he said and I kicked her in the legs. And he says there's zero excuses. It was shameful. He said I regret I regret it to this day. He said he immediately apologized. Um, you know that, uh, and she also said that you know she wanted nothing else to do with him. Yada yada yada. Um. He said. Uh, the, the, the authorities were never involved. He said he voluntarily sought out counseling. Um, and he said he's never repeated anything like that. Um, you know, and, and, and so <laughs> the woman uh, later became his wife. And, and again, there's no excuse for that. But basically, it sounds like somebody was trying to blackmail him or to submarine him by bringing up something that happened 31 years ago. Again, there's no excuse for it happening, but at you know, at what point do do, do we ever get, in this day and age nobody is allowed to make a mistake because if you do it's there forever. The, it's on the internet, it's never going to go away. And one mistake in your life in the eyes of many people will define who you are for the for all time. You know, and that's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, having said that, video surfaced yesterday of Dana White, who is the, uh, the owner and uh, founder of uh, UFC, something, by the way, that I have never, ever watched. Why people like this crap is beyond me. This, this, takes, this makes boxing look tame. Right. And I mean, boxing is not even something I watch much anymore. But UFC is just brutal. It's, you know, and it's it's it's, you know, it's a cross between boxing and the WWE. It's like the WWE with actually real punches being landed. Um, But anyway, uh, video surfaced that TMZ got. How does TMZ get all this stuff, by the way? Video surfaced of Dana White slapping his wife when they were on vacation in Mexico last month. Um, So this is something that happened last month. So so this isn't something that happened 30 years ago. Now, he's been married to his wife, Anna, for 30 years. And to be fair, and again, there is no excuse for ever laying your hand on a woman. None, zero, zip. Having said that, as he qualifies it, she slapped him first. Now, you know, and we're all human, right? I mean, the man should just walk away from that. But we're all human. We all make mistakes. And what did he do? He slapped her back. It happened on New Year's Eve. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, look, he, he said, look, you know, uh, he said, here I am on TMZ talking about it, even though there's, you know, no, no excuse. Uh, and, and his wife issued a statement. That said, uh, to say it's out of character for him is an understatement. Nothing like this has ever happened before. He said, we, she said, we, unfortunately, we were both drinking too much on New Year's Eve. Things got out of control. He said, we've talked this through as a family, apologized. Uh, and, I, you know, I hope people res- will respect our privacy for the sake of our kids. Well, they're not going to respect your privacy for the sake of the kids because it's 2023 and nobody respects anybody's privacy for anything. Was he wrong? Absolutely. Should he go to should should he be uh canceled? No. You know, I've never hit my wife. Never would hit my wife. Um, but you know, again, it's one of those things where nothing is private these days. You think you have privacy in your own home, you don't. Because there's somebody watching somewhere. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. But man, whew i read the thing about Berhalter, and then I then I saw the thing on Dana White, and I was like, "Ooh, man!" And but here we go; it's 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 typical, you know. And it's just like you know somebody who's a 15 year old kid who's now a professional athlete. When they were 15 and trying to be cool and hanging out with their, you know, their buddies and trying to sound like they're one of them and posting something that was inappropriate about a woman or or racial or something, um, on social media back when they were a 14, 15, 16 year old kid. Now defines them for the rest of their life. How many times have we seen that happen? Right? You know, it's a little bit different than the you know, like the kid that the Boston Bruins tried to bring in that had actually bullied somebody and and actually been physical with somebody who was disabled back when he was a kid. That to me is a little bit different than saying something uh, racially insensitive or or misogynistic or whatever back when you were a kid. I mean when you're a 15-year-old kid, if it, if, it, if it crosses over to physical, that's different. But, man, you know, that's the, you know, social media in some ways. I mean, look, when I'm looking for news, what do I do? I go to Twitter because Twitter is going to have what's happening right now. You don't have to wait for the Associated Press or somebody to write a story. You get it on Twitter. You get it instantly. You might get it in dribs and drabs, but it comes out right away so as somebody who's running a radio station and doing a a radio show or somebody who loves sports or or loves the news or whatever, you can get the information right away, which is great. But it's also bad because not only do you get news, you get trash, you get rumors, you get outright falsehoods, you know, and, and trying to weed through that is not easy at all. So you know it's it's a uh, it's a difficult thing to navigate these days, and in the 25 years that I worked in college athletics, you know, and and I worked as a, a college sports information director, uh, basketball coach, uh, uh, assistant athletic director. One of the things, one of my jobs, was always to counsel these young student athletes about social media, about how to do interviews, about what you say and what you don't say because what you you know the things that you say can be misconstrued very very easily you know so it's it's really hard it's really really hard and 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 i'm glad i'm not a kid today yeah you know, i really am i mean you know, uh, you know, there's this always, you know, you wish you were, you know, 18 again. And I'm glad I'm not. You know, I mean, look, and I said this yesterday, you know, when we were talking about the stuff that happened with DeMar Hamlin and some of the, the awful things that, that people were saying, you know, trying to tie anti-vax into it, trying to say that, oh, the NFL can't do this and the NFL, you know, I mean, and, and all the – think like stuff that Skip Bayless said, you know, and you want to say, what is wrong with you people? Take a breath, take a second before you post something online. Well, you know, the problem is, is that uh, those people have the mentality of a 16-year-old because most 16-year-olds can't contain themselves either, right? Tell me I'm wrong. You know, I mean, uh, they're impulsive. I have found myself having to... uh having to control myself in what I say. You know, there have been times I've started to tweet something out and I've typed it. And before I hit send, I stopped because, you know, you, you look at it and you say, yeah, you know, the optics on this are not going to be good and I'm going to regret this in the morning. And so I have, I have stopped myself and I and I think that everybody needs to do that. They won't, but they should. So, uh what a mess, you know. And so, you know, something that happens 30 years ago bites Greg Burhalter in the ass and uh, Dana White's on vacation with his family and something happens within that family and that bites him in the ass because you can't hide anything from anybody. You know, it just it's just part of the world that we live in today. Twenty-eight minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to give you the latest news on uh, DeMar Hamlin and uh, things going on in that uh, in that vein. Before we get to some of the sports news from last night, back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's thirty-one minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a uh, Wednesday morning. So the latest on DeMar Hamlin, uh, he has made some slight improvement. Uh, he is still sedated, um, but there has been some improvement. They've actually, I guess, uh, turned him over. Um, onto his stomach, and uh, they say that that's a, a normal thing. Um, look, he's still a long way from clear, you know. And people are like, "Yeah, hey, is he ever going to play football?" Like, it doesn't matter whether he plays football or not. And I was, I was talking to my wife and and you know Barb, and and I said, you know, if I'm him, I don't know if I'd want to play football again. Even if I recover from this and I and I feel okay later, you know, this was the ultimate wake up call. You know, although there's a guy in the NHL, and, and we talked about this, he's had two strokes, and he just had one a couple of months ago, and he's back playing again. Um, I know that we all feel invincible when we're young, but man, you know, if if, if I had to be, uh, you know, given CPR on the field, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but then again, if I was 24 years old and I had an opportunity to make that kind of money, maybe I would. I don't know. I mean, but, you know, you hear comments um, like, uh, Aaron Rodgers was talking about what a wake-up call this was, and basically saying, "Look, you know, I think the NFL needs to take a time out here." And you know, he even kind of intimated that maybe we shouldn't be playing the games this coming weekend. Maybe everybody needs to take a step back and say, "You know, hey, uh, you know, this is this is this is really bad." And you know, and Aaron Rodgers said, "This effed me up." you know he said you know i i this this really affected me and he said you know i don't want to be 50 60 years old and thinking about if am i going to be impaired because of the sport that i play and you know it really made him step back and you know Aaron Rodgers beats to the the uh, or marches to the tune of a different drummer but at the same time um he's an introspective guy and and i think i think he's right now do i think that they should postpone the games this weekend no i d you know I don't know i I don't think so, no, I think that I think everybody now is aware. I just think that look as football is as violent a sport as you can possibly well other than maybe u f c because they don't even wear helmets, but football is a violent sport, and let me tell you i don't you know I don't know how many of you have ever been on the sidelines for an n f l game I have now you know in my year of broadcasting and doing all this stuff, you know, I started out, you know, going on the sidelines of high school football games, you know, and that you know, and, and 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 playing football when I was a kid. That's one thing. Well then I go, you know, I start my career and I'm I'm on the sidelines for Division I football. I'm on the sidelines watching, you know, major college athletes play. And that's even faster than high school. I will never forget the first time I was on a sideline for an NFL game. The speed of the game. You can watch anything you want on television, folks. You can sit on your couch and you can watch a game. You cannot appreciate how fast and how strong and how violent these guys are until you are on the sidelines and you see it for yourself. Guys that are, you know, three hundred and you know, fifty pounds, running faster than you know than most of us could, and Clobbering somebody, and it is violent, you know, and and so, uh, but it's also what they sign up for, right? You know, and 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 they get well compensated for it, but there is a price to pay. And Demar Hamlin almost paid the ultimate price, and it wasn't, you know, and, and when you watch the play when he had cardiac arrest, it wasn't anywhere near the most violent hit you've ever seen in your life. It just was a kind of a freak accident that uh, he got hit in the right place or the wrong place, if you want to put it that way. You know, it was basically they said it probably happened in between beats of his heart and and, and interrupted the the, uh, the electrical signal between the brain and the heart, and that's what put him in cardiac arrest. It might never happen again. But if you're DeMar Hamlin, how can you ever play football again and not have that in your mind? You know, so there's been progress, but he's still sedated, still in critical condition, and the prayers are still going out there. And, uh, you know, look, the Patriots have to play the Bills this week. That's going to be one distracted team, you know, and the Patriots need that game to get in to the playoffs. You know, and, uh, you know, I just don't, I just don't know. I don't know how that – I don't know how it happens. I don't know how the Bills bounce back from this. You know, I guess the best thing that could happen this week, you know, but I, but I don't think it's going to because we're just a few days away, is for DeMar Hamlin to open his eyes and to start breathing on his own and for, you know, the team to be able to take a collective breath that he's going to be okay. That might clear their heads up. But until then, I just don't know how they play that game. So, and, and you know, this is a very tough thing. For, you know, the NFL to navigate it, you know, and it, I, I don't want to overemphasize it, but you remember when the, you know, when 9-11 happened and baseball shut down and football shut down and everybody's trying to decide when is the right time to restart things. And if you're the NFL, you're kind of facing that. It wasn't a 9-11. This wasn't a terrorist attack, but it's still, uh, you know, perhaps one of the worst things that's ever happened in the league. You know the fact that somebody hasn't died on the field is is probably a miracle, um, you know. And and we talked yesterday about Daryl Stingley. Um, I'll never forget that back in '78. I saw it, you know, and, and you just knew right away something was wrong. But you you know I don't know what the NFL does here. It's it's not going to be an easy decision. Um, but you know we keep praying and and look. Uh, well, you know, something, something good I guess is gonna come out of this. I mean, hopefully he recovers. Um there's a GoFundMe for this this toy drive that he had set up um in his hometown of uh, McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. It's a small town just outside of Pittsburgh. Four and a half million dollars of donations as of last night had come into it and they're probably over 5 million now like 176,000 people had donated including a lot of NFL players Tom Brady donated $10,000 and you know a bunch of other folks and uh needless to say uh the, the, it's been overwhelming for the family and uh you know the people that were in charge of uh, helping him with the toy drive and stuff it said hey it's going to you know that money will go to help um uh, the the other initiatives that he has he has going on as well in his community as well as as well as hopefully taking care of him and and you know let's look the NFL Players Association is going to take care of him and the NFL they 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 just will um so uh, you know but but I guess if anything good comes out of that you know that would be it um uh, and and you know all we can do is keep praying I saw an interesting thing on uh, Facebook yesterday. Um, somebody who was at the game was actually at the game and uh, tweeted this out yesterday. And and it was interesting, um, you know, because all we saw was, you know, what we saw on, on the television. Right. Um, And that was limited because, you know, the cameras are where they are and they weren't going to run onto the field with a camera because somebody would have punched them right in the head. But it was interesting. He said, you know, and, and this person tweeted out and he said, let me tell you what you didn't see on TV. And there's a, there's like a laundry list of things and basically saying, you know, um, that, uh, the entire stadium was almost silent. Well, we kind of knew that you could tell that. Um, but they said that many people, he said that many people in his section, both Bill's fans and Bengals fans just all broke out in prayer together. Uh, they said that they sat and cried with a Bengals fan, just hugging each other. Um, uh, and it was they said there was a teenage Bengals fan in front of him this and this person was a Baltimore I mean a uh, a Bills fan there was a teenage Bengals fan in front of him that ran to get more tissues to make sure they didn't need anything and made sure they didn't need anything else said they saw grown men crying strangers linking arms uh uh Bengals fans circling around all the Bills fans to offer support uh, think about that i mean that's think about that You know, I mean, it was just humanity kind of it was people just being human beings, which, you know, kind of with all the crap that we deal with today. Right. It's something that kind of gives you a little faith in humanity when you see things like that. And they said that the the walk out of the stadium was like somber. It was like eerily quiet, you know, And, and they wrapped it up by saying, look, you know, this is bigger than football. And something so critical brought fans, both sides together. He said, you know, tonight we were one team, one team praying for uh, for DeMar Hamlin. So, I mean, that's, you know, it was pretty cool, pretty cool. I, I know just sitting watching it on television, I had chills just watching the thing because it was, uh, this was worse than watching a train wreck, right? Uh, or, or watching, you know, going by a car accident on the road. You know, because we just sat and we watched this for an hour or an hour and a half or two hours. I sat up until damn near midnight watching coverage, you know, to see what was going on, see if there was any change. And and it's just uh, but to, to, to see, uh, to, to read this and, you know, somebody that was actually there and, and the things that actually happened in the stadium, it, you know, it gives you a little hope in humanity. 41 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 43 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. um, Some other football news, and I I don't know if it's news or it's not really a rumor, but there was a conversation, I guess, had yesterday between David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, and Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh about the team's head coaching position. Now, uh, the person who was aware of this, and of course, they're not going to tell you who it was, and... You know, it, more there's more leaks in everything than in a, in a colander. It's unbelievable. Um, but they said that the meeting was more of a conversation rather than an interview. Uh, of course, Steve Wilkes took over there when Matt Rule was fired uh, in the middle of the year, and uh, they're five and six under Wilkes. Uh, and, and by the way, that's after trading Christian McCaffrey, their best player. You know, think about that. Uh, you know, and they've they've played 500 ball, and up until their loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks last week, they were still in the hunt for playoffs. Um, look, uh, I don't know whether Harbaugh leaves Michigan or not. I don't know what he else he has to prove there, other than winning a national championship, maybe winning a bowl game. I think he's, I think they're one in six, something like that in bowl games since he's been there. Um, but look, they're uh, you know. They've had a lot of success with him there. He's 59 years old. He's 74 and 25 at Michigan. And they were 13 and 0 this year until uh, TCU upset him last weekend. But this is a guy that also had a lot of success in the NFL. He was 44 19 and 1. Um, they won two NFC West titles and reached the NFC Championship game three times in four years when he was the coach of the 49ers. Um,. And, and he helped the 49ers get uh, to Super Bowl 47, and they lost to the Ravens 34-31. Great game. So, um, you know, the only year they didn't make the playoffs was his last year in San Francisco when they went 8-8. Eight eight. Um, so I, I don't know whether he goes back. You know, he said no. You know, he, said, he has said that he's staying at Michigan. But, man, you know, how do you stay? I mean, this is a guy that played quarterback for 15 years in the NFL and has had a lot of success and – You know, uh, you know, maybe he's tired of beating his head against the wall, you know, you know, at Michigan to to be able to to get over the hump. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I thought that was interesting that uh, there is an opportunity, perhaps, for Jim Harbaugh to return to the NFL. Uh, There's going to be a couple of openings. There's one there's one in Denver. So time will tell. Uh, I watched some hockey last night. I watched the and I can't call them my hometown team, the Carolina, the Carolina Hurricanes, because I will never root for the Carolina Hurricanes. The former Hartford Whalers that uh, Peter Carmanos carpetbagged them and took them down to Carolina. I will never. He and Gary Bettman, the commissioner of NHL, I'll never forgive them. So I can't root for them. So I actually took some glee in the fact last night that the Carolina Hurricanes lost to the New York Rangers last night. Uh, They lose five three. Uh, despite having a 3 2 lead at the end of two periods, and the Rangers scored three goals in the third period, um, uh, Artemi Panarin uh, scored the tying goal, and then uh, Keandre Miller scored the go ahead goal, and then uh, a, an empty netter in the final minute gives the uh, New York Rangers the win last night. And that, look, the Hurricanes are having a hell of a year. I mean, there's, uh, you know, whether I like them or not. They have are had a hell of a year, and that snapped a streak of 11 straight games um, where they had gotten a point. They haven't, they actually had points in 17 straight. They hadn't lost in regulation since November 23rd. They had won 11 straight, they hadn't lost in regulation since November 23rd. That, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Right now, they sit behind the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference with 56 points. The Bruins, of course, was 62. I mean, the Bruins, you're just insane. Bruins are 29-4-4. and uh, I think they play against the uh, the Kings tonight out in Los Angeles. Uh, but the Bruins have not lost at home. 19-0-3 at home. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. But uh, you know, look, the the Panthers are. I mean, the uh, Hurricanes are having a hell of a year uh, on their own. Uh, the team, if I'm if I'm going to root for a hometown team, it's probably going to be the Nashville Predators. And when I think about it, it probably makes you know, even though I live in North Carolina and and the Predators are in Nashville and Tennessee, it's four hours away from here. Well, where the Panthers or where, where the Hurricanes play is three and a half hours away. So so Nashville is just as close. So the Predators win last night. They beat the Montreal Canadiens last night uh, by a final of 6-3. to three. Um, uh, Predators are having a, uh, a so-so year. Uh, they, they sit like kind of at the bottom of the Central Division. Uh, they are not in playoff position right now, but they have played much better uh, of late. And uh, they are a, a really good home team. Uh, but in their last 10 they're playing above 500 hockey so uh, they win last night 6-3 to um, a a big first period actually they led 5-2 at the end of two and then uh, they just hang on to win that so uh, uh, got to watch a little bit of hockey last night. it feels weird watching hockey living in North Carolina it just does you know I, I know that probably doesn't make any sense then well I was switching between that and the Celtics last night the Boston Celtics who have the best record in the NBA. All right, The Boston Celtics folks are 26 and 12. Well, they were 26 and 10 until their last two games. and their last two games, they have been absolutely putrid. They lose at Oklahoma City last night. a shorthanded Oklahoma City team last night. They allowed them to score a 150 points. The Celtics lose 150 to 117. And that's after getting beat by a awful Denver team. 123 to 111. I say awful. I mean Denver's got a good record, but the Celtics are a more talented team and it's not close. But man, they have got to figure this defense out. Defense has been a problem for the Celtics team this year, although it looked like in December they had kind of you know, figured it out. Well, last night, they just got absolutely lit up. Oklahoma City shot almost 60% from the field. They shot 50% from three-point range last night. They were 20 for 40 from three-point range. It's absolutely insane. Just awful. And the Celtics also turned the ball over 17 times last night, which doesn't help. Jalen Brown played at 27, Jason Tatum at 29, but who cares? you got to play defense, and I don't care what level, and I don't care what sport. There, you know, one of the most famous sayings in sports, and it doesn't matter what sport it is, defense wins championships. You know, And when you get into the NBA playoffs, it's a different game. Defense matters, and the Celtics have not shown the ability to play consistent defense all year, despite a 26-12 and 12 record. So I think if you're a Celtics fan, there's reason for concern, big-time reason for concern. And you wonder if the Celtics are going to have to make some kind of move to do something to shore up that, that defense. Look, they're supposed to have – Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year in the NBA last year. Well, when you have the defensive player of the year on your team, how is your defense this bad? Well, it's, it's bad because he's the only one playing defense. You know, and, and after the game, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum talking about, you know, saying, oh, we got to do better. And yeah, no shit. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it was just brutal last night. You know, I mean, fortunately, they were so bad that they made it easy for me. They tried to make a run at the start of the third period or the third quarter. And uh, Oklahoma, City, Oklahoma City made eight of its first nine shots in the first three minutes, and see ya. Game was over. Um, I couldn't watch this down here last night. That's one of the downsides of uh, living down here in North Carolina. The UConn women uh, win again last night, but it was on SNY. That's not a station that we get down here. Um, even on DirecTV, I don't have access to it, so... Uh, but they uh, they blew out Butler last night, 80 to 47. That's despite not having Caroline Ducharme, uh, who has to miss a couple of games because she was in concussion protocol. Gino Ariema also not on the bench. He missed his third game this season uh, with an illness. I'll tell you what, the uh, with Ducharme being out, he, she she missed last night's game. She also has to miss the Xavier game. They have had so many injuries this year. I I joked yesterday that I, I think they need an exorcist or something because I don't know what's going on with this team. The number of injuries. Uh, but Aubrey Griffin, who had been out uh, with COVID, missed two games with COVID, she came back last night, uh, a big part of it last night, 15 points, seven rebounds, two blocks, pulled up for a big three that kind of helped UConn uh, pull away in this one. Uh, Aliyah Edwards uh, has been great. Uh, she had 20 points last night, nine rebounds, uh, including five on the offensive uh, side. Uh, all five starters for UConn last night in double figures. Um Look, they're gonna get uh Ezzy Fudd back here in uh in another week or so. And I know they're not gonna have Paige Beckers all year, but when they get Fudd back and Ducharms back and they have everybody ready to go, I still and I said this yesterday, I still think they can give uh, uh South Carolina a run. Uh UConn tonight taking on the Providence Friars. Uh, this is a I'll tell you what, I remember I used to love the Providence Friars um back when I was a kid. Uh, Dave Gavitt was their coach back then. That those were some great Providence teams. Oh my God, Marvin Barnes and Kevin Stakelman. and they had some great, great players on that team. And uh, but uh, now uh, UConn kind of owns Providence. UConn comes in the number four ranked team. Providence had a pretty soft schedule early on. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how they are. Look, I have a lot of respect for Ed Cooley, the coach of Providence. Used to coach at Fairfield University. Really nice guy. Um, I hope, uh, uh, I hope they have a decent season, but I, I think they're going to have a hard time, uh, matching up with that UConn team tonight. UConn coming off their first loss of the season and they're pissed. (laughs) They're they're pissed. So I think that, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game tonight, but I, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, UConn wins this one probably by 15. Uh, one last thing before we get out of here this morning, I saw this this morning and it made me kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit. Uh, Nesson, the New England Sports Network, of course, they carry uh, Bruins games. They carry uh, the Red Sox games. They're owned by John Henry, the owner of the uh, uh, the Celtics, his, or the I mean the, the uh, Red Sox. He's the primary. Uh, I think they, they, he owns 80% of uh, Nesson or something. But uh, they have hired a new chief operating officer, and his experience is integrating sports betting with sports content i am so tired now of turning on every every pregame show everything in every sport every network it's all got gambling on it and i'm sorry folks you know and this isn't about the old man getting off my lawn gambling and sports i know there's been sports gambling for as long as there's been sports and i know this is just a, a case of people trying to cash in on it and making it legal but gambling and sports don't mix. It is a recipe for corruption, and I'm sorry, and I will believe that till the day I die. And this is nothing against Matthew Volk, the guy who's been hired as a new COO. He's a Bowdoin graduate. You know, he's 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 uh, you know went to school up in Maine, uh, he interned with the Patriots, um, but uh, you know, but Massachusetts is getting ready to uh, open three casinos, in, uh, sports betting in three casinos, starting January 31st. And so now my fear is that we are going to see gambling programming up the wazoo on Nesson, and that's just going to make me sick. I hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hey, today would have been Elvis Presley's 88th birthday. Uh, Of course, he died back in 1977. August of 77, I think he was, you know, what, 40. 40 years old, 40, 44 years old, something like that, uh, or 43-something. 40, yeah, I think he was 43. Um, but he would have been 88 years old today. So uh, always a big Elvis fan. So in memory of uh, Elvis's birthday, here's a little Kentucky rain. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.